Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And, as always, thanks for listening. So, when things get really tough, when things get really tough, the tough ought to fight on their knees in prayer. Have you ever heard the term prayer warrior? Well, there's a reason for that. And if you've prayed for a very long time, you'll understand, yeah, that is a battle. For some reason, um, just to let you know, no, well, in fact, I know what the reason is. The reason is is power of uh, prayer. Prayer is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. Praying for other people. Praying actively for other people. In other words, I mean, they're there. You have a hand on a shoulder or knuckles to knuckles, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, and you're praying for somebody. That is powerful. It is. Now, here's the thing. Prayer, and I've mentioned this before, is either the most powerful thing you can do or the biggest waste of time on the planet. Now, why is that? It depends on your perspective. But le- let's make a few observations. First observation is, just look at the Gospels and how many times Jesus is out praying. Now, you can say what you want, but when you look at the time, that's a lot. Uh, also, uh, it amazes me that uh, that uh, Protestants, evangelicals, slam some, not all, slam Judaism for various things but the Amidah the standing prayer of Israel I think that takes about 45 minutes I mean if you're doing it right I think it takes about 45 minutes now I've read the Amidah it's very complete Uh, and I gotta say if you're not pl- praying on a regular basis, you may be missing out. Now, here's here's the thing about prayer, the, and this is why I say the three cornerstones on the stool of, of, of strong Christian faith should be, a strong believer's faith is, prayer, Bible study, and outreach. Prayer can be done anywhere. That's why I mentioned it first. You need no tools now, can you use a, a Bible for prayer? Absolutely. Can you use a, a prayer book for prayer? Yes, absolutely. But you don't have to. You can literally talk to God anywhere. And I don't mean like the kind when you have a wreck and you go, Oh, God! I don't mean that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting together and having a conversation with the Lord. A real conversation and getting it real. Praying for people is powerful. And by the way, 
if you if you've never if if you if you don't think that there is uh, a Satan out there that has minions quote unquote to uh, try to mess with you and keep you from praying because he does not want you praying. Period. Is uh, the thing is uh, just try it. Try to pray for fifteen minutes. Everything on the planet will come into your brain. Everything. Everything from something you forgot 20 years ago. I mean, you know, five years ago, whatever. This just will come to your head and start messing you up. Now, this talk right here is less about the mechanics of prayer and more about the influence because if you're really interested, you'll learn the mechanics. If you're not, then you need to just start and do the mechanics later. And by that, I mean certain people have, you know, start and stop with certain things. I mean, the, the main thing uh, is, uh, first thing first would be confession, so you can get that out of the way. If you've got anything you've done, to confess that, get it out of the way, and then start praying for others and then you pray for yourself there's some mechanics for you right there now I can get a little more detailed later but right now let's look at James I love the book of James why? it's because he's there and he's awesome and it's a little bit of a rebel book it's very Jewish I love that about James um, the interesting thing is uh, Luther really didn't like it. He thought it had too much works in it. But anyway, but, but there's fantastic stuff in here. Look at James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. So, here's what it says. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. He prayed again, and and heaven gave rain, and the earth boards for... That was 18. Now, I'm going to back up to the KJV for a second. All right. Now... This isn't irritating anybody. It's it's interesting because different translations kind of emphasize different things. The first thing I like, uh, and difference that I see pretty quick is in the KJV. This is confess your faults or confess faults to one another. This particular word, paratoma, means a side slip, a lapse, whether it's unconditional, you know, unintentional or intentional, a transgression, a transgression to one another. Now, here's what happens though with this little section here: is people say, "Confess your faults to one another." Oh, well, there you go. You have the confessional. It's supposed to grab somebody and you know, go go to one person and just just spill your guts. I don't think that's gonna fly for this one reason. Um, number one, I think the context 
here is really in a, is really in the context of repentance because if you've transgressed against somebody if you've hurt somebody you've sinned against somebody part of the repentant process and it's a process is to go to that person and try to make it right well it doesn't necessarily indicate per se that you have to spill your guts to this one person you do need to you know now Granted, I think you can kind of interpret that either way. But I really feel like that's in the the terms of of repentance, where you have injured somebody, maybe another believer, and then you go to them. Now, it says, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, well, why is that? That's why I'm going back to the repentance thought process because if you harbor resentment in your heart and you hang on to it, even psychology will tell you that is bad mojo. It will mess you up. It will eat fester. It's like a wound. But when you get it off your chest and you confess that to the person, then healing can take place. Okay, so that's why I really feel like that's in the context of repentance. Now, can you still have a, have a friend that you go to and, and say, man, I did this, and I did this, and I'm, I'm so sorry, and they can pray for you? Yes. Man, I'm not knocking that at all. Okay, I'm totally not knocking that. But anyway, now, the last section of that I find kind of interesting. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the way the Greeks got that is a little is a little different, and I think, in some ways, I like the ESV trans you know rendition of that, and in some ways, I don't. It says the prayer of a righteous person has great power in the working, and I believe that's true. Now, here's the kicker: that word, uh, that word for the person, is a masculine word. All right, so the translation "man" would work. I mean, that's really what it is. Now, does that mean he's singling people out and being and being uh, you know uh, bigoted? Uh, no, I don't think so. And here's the reason why: because in the next verse, he talks about Elijah. He's using Elijah as an example, and he says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he's got this in his head. He says, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. So he's using Elijah and saying, guess what? Elijah had some faults too. (laughs) He had a nature just like we do. He's still connecting that sin idea with that Elijah's got nature like ours. So, now here's the thing. A righteous person basically is a situation where um, we we tend to think of that word in moral in a moral kind of compassing way. 
encompassing way. In other words, uh, wow! Uh, so you really just got to be perfect. You got to be. You got to be absolutely sinless and live a sinless life. That's not what they're getting at. Righteousness, in Paul's context, in a Jewish context, connects itself to covenant. And by that I mean someone who is trying to please God by doing what by following His word. Someone who's trying to to please God through following His word. Okay, now does that sound like you're earning your salvation? I'm earning my salvation. No, that's not what that is. Righteousness, a righteous person, especially in the Old Testament, was someone who wasn't morally perfect. It was someone who was in right covenant with God, following his instructions, trying to do that. So, uh, in this situation, I feel like, and, and just because this book of James is so completely, it's very Jewish in its, in its way, um, I believe that's where we're going with that. He's saying, look, if you have a heart for God, you're trying to do God's word, you're trying to perform, and you are focused on that. Your prayers can be powerful when they're working. And that's true. And and that's why he jumps on Elijah. Uh, you know, he said Elijah was like us. Hey, you know, he had pro- you know, he had natures like us. But he prayed. Then it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. Heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Yeah. So, is it worth your time? Is it worth taking time out of your life? I mean, the ticking moments of your life to pray, to have a conversation with the living God? Yeah, I'd say so. And then some people, you know, we we get caught up on time, okay? You know, well, shut up, you know. You know, do I need to have a book? Do I write stuff down? You can. It helps, yes. Uh, some people write down, have a prayer journal. They make this request. This is when it got answered. This request is when it got answered. Some people do that. Some people use prayer books, Some people use the Psalms. Some people use the Bible. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. Here's what I'm going to say. You can pray anywhere to the living God. Anytime. 24-7. And he's always listening. And I once heard a Christian singer, Dallas Holmes, say this. He said that God always answers your prayers. It's just that sometimes he says... uh, he has. He either says yes, no, or wait a while. And it's the wait a while's that really just eat you alive. But in God's timing, when you put your prayers with other people's prayers, I mean, it has a compounding effect. And every prayer that you repeat. I mean, in other words, you stay consistently on that topic every day. God hears that. 
I believe that has a compounding effect. Now, the fact is, Satan didn't want you praying. Period. He knows if you don't pray, you're weak. Because it's part of the communication process. It's part of spiritual breathing. You breathe in the word, you pray out. And when you pray for someone, it's it's a ministry, literally. I mean, if you say, hey, can I pray for you? And you pray for them right there, that's ministry. That's, that's outreach. That's two in one. That's a double whammy. For real. So, now, I think more than ever is a time where people need to pray on a regular basis for countries, for people, for leaders. And not always that God will strike them dead, but I'm just saying that God will turn it, turn it around somehow. Because He can. Miracles begin with prayer. Uh, I think Jesus even mentioned to the disciples one time when they were trying to to cast a demon out of a kid, He says, this one won't come out except with prayer and fasting. And, and by the way, if you want to turbocharge your prayer life, fasting, you add fasting to that and and you're you're on rocket fuel as far as your as far as God's concerned, because I'm serious. It's part of the the fasting process is not to demonstrate necessarily, hey God, I can do without food. It's more like God, I can do without food and focus on you. And I won't let the food thing interrupt me. That's where it's impressive. But prayer, it's something you can do anytime, anywhere, for any amount of time. And uh, I think it was Paul that said, pray without ceasing, which means... In that context, always be in an attitude of prayer where you can pray to God and just talk to Him. Do that for one week. Here's a challenge. 15 minutes every day for one week and see if it doesn't absolutely change things for you in a positive way. And if it does, then add 15 minutes and if you get up to an hour, Katie, bar the door because you may be the next Billy Graham. You never can tell. So with that, with that thought in mind, I want to encourage you. Thank you for to keep on keeping this on. edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.